Blog Talk Radio. Outstanding and stout 
Sister Queen, as we will, as we will all experience in just a moment. But um, one one of my dear, dear, dear. This is one who I have known, and people that I have known in my life for forty or better years. Wow, that that takes a minute to say. But this this rising um, princess, as she is known by title, of course, we call her Sister Queen because. She is a mother and a grandmother and the eldest living daughter of His Royal Highness Aba Adi Aba Osergeman or Efuntola Adefumi the First, and she's come this evening. And it, it was a little uh, exciting over at her house when we spoke just a few minutes ago to talk with us about this upcoming festival in Oyotunji, which kicks off our festival season every year. Uh, it would be known out here in America as a Founders Celebration, but do tell on uh, 6.11 a.m. Uh, on the 11th day of February, our first traditional African king in this country went through the roof, and we thought it only fitting as the family that he left behind to the kingdom to have a grand celebration uh, right there on that weekend. And as it turns out, from the 11th this Thursday through this Sunday, the 14th, um, we're going to do just that. And so in just a few moments, we're going to hear from Princess Fabumi Adefumi um, about some of the activities and celebrations. But, of course, yeah, I hope we have um, our our resident, Ianifa uh, there, Ifashade Bola Komolafe, with our oracle message for this week. I know I look forward to this part of it. It sort of sets the tone for the show. So, um if she's here and ready to chime in with us, we say aboru, aboye, ia, welcome. Uh, uh, aboru, 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 The um, call today is knowledge. Mm. Okay? Um, mm-hmm. Knowledge is a gift that is meant to be shared with others. Most often this card comes to those who are teachers or those who facilitate the transference of information to others in some way. The knowledge card is here to to reaffirm the understanding that you play an important role in bringing through information, teachings, and higher learnings to others. You help others to advance through what you have to share. This is a gift. If you have been doubting yourself or your abilities, then it is time to let that go. Trust yourself and what it is you have to offer. As a tool of spirit, you are here to help raise the consciousness and awareness of others on this planet. Oftentimes, it is those who are born to teach and exchange knowledge who doubt they have anything worthwhile to share. This is the very reason the knowledge card has come to you today. It is time to step out of your own way, to let go of your doubts and all fears about claiming you. You are born to take up space here. You are born to share what you have. Spirit is acknowledging this for you to help encourage you onward. Look carefully at the fractal image on the card and you will see that energy line coming straight from the top down into the crown chakra of the being. It then continues to flow through and out of the being. This represents you. Spirit is attempting to show you that what you have to teach comes directly from above, from the Mm. universe. It is intended to be delivered to and shared with the world. To doubt your knowledge is to doubt spirit. Trust what you have. 
No, you can do this. Spirit is backing you on this and encouraging you to embrace the teacher you were born to be. And that's the knowledge card. Thank you so much. And how apropos is that? You and I both know her grace, the princess, and I've been telling her since she was a little girl that um, her knowledge, her wisdom comes from a source on high. So without further ado, I certainly welcome and introduce to all who are listening and those who even will hear us later from the archives, um, her royal grace, Princess uh, Savumi Adefumi. How are you ladies doing? Can you hear me, Yeah. We can hear you well. I'm exceptional. Our other host, Queen Mother, is trying to hold herself on mute because she's sharing her, her residence, of course, with the Super Bowl fans. And uh, oh, I believe so Ifa Shade is online as well, though, I know. Ah, uh, Ifa Shade, mm-hmm. Lafia. Uh-huh. Lafia, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm also at a, a huge Super Bowl party up in the hills. <laughs> So I'm trying to walk away, but there's so many people at this mm-hmm. been a little small get-together football game. There's over 100 people here, so I apologize for any wow. noise. I'm, I'm walking. This person's house is a very, very large house. So trying to walk down a hill, walk away, it's still kind of crowded. So I apologize for any noise you guys hear. Absolutely. Well, hopefully you'll find a quiet corner. And before we even address that subject, because, you know, I could get whining on on the whole parts of our country and the enormous whatever to this particular Sunday when uh, there are so many starving on the planet. But I hope they all enjoy the guacamole and may the best team win. Your grace, we're we're like, I'm up in Charlotte, you're out there in the West Coast, and in the midst of this week, we're going to grab our whites and head toward the kingdom of Oyotunji. It's really, it really is one of my favorite seasons in Oyotunji. Not only is it cooler and there are no mosquitoes, but I just love, I just love starting our festival season in such a high level of celebration and remembrance for the yeah, for the for the visionary for the reason that we even have a village to have fourteen festivals a year in. So please um grace us with um what you're excited about moving toward next weekend. Well, you know, I don't know if everyone knows but Ig Lade is for my baba, which I do specially for him. I don't know, I'm kind of biased to him. I feel that all the great works that he did do, so I just want to make sure everybody constantly remembers, you know, when he returned back to the children of the diaspora around the world when they were ripped from the womb of Mother Africa, you know, especially okay. those who were forced to be raised by Father America. And, you know, and mm-hmm. Father America was as kind as Mother Africa was, so, you know, he wants to make mm-hmm. sure that you don't know your language, we will educate you on it. If you don't know your culture, my father said, here, I'll give you that, that itch in your bone and that compel that force that compels you, he woke you up to say that's your DNA. Now, your Uruba DNA waking you up to tell you no matter where you go, no matter how far you are removed, that you still have us and it in you. So he just sure. wanted to make sure the American Africans and the diaspora remember that and understood that. And those who wish to return to that format, he went, made sure he put an African village in that place for those who could not travel across the ocean 
who did not know the wilds of Africa but wished to understand or scratch the surface. So it's just a gateway to the return to the knowledge and the history and the culture that was right from us. It's just the crash of the door that Oyotunji actually sends people forth to let them see and understand. This is who you are. This is where you belong. And these are the things that you need to know before you can actually sustain life here on, you know, in America, you know, far away from South Africa. Absolutely. You know, it's so I'm realizing as you're speaking that um, how amazing is it out of all of the Inside Oyotunji programs and programs that I've done that this might actually be the first opportunity that I've had to actually interview you, uh, you know, and, yeah. and we could go we could go a million places as you were speaking. I was like, wow, I want to get yeah. to the question of, like, what it really felt like being raised by a, a cultural revolutionary, the father of the cultural restoration movement. But before I touch that, you touched such a crucial point in, in the point you were just making there, which is, um, you know, part of the real uh, vision that your brother, uh, His Royal Majesty, picked up certainly from your father and is trying his best to carry out has everything to do with how people of color in this country now sustain themselves and stand up inside of their own power because of the culture and the great lineages from Africa that we have inherited. And so could you speak to, for a moment, what makes um, Igbe Gaalade so important, whether people actually make the journey down to the low country or they celebrate with us by lighting a candle or they order a candle to be lit inside of our festivities. We really have ways for people to feel the power of this now almost 50-year-old journey that your that your father has uh, begun and left instilled in our hearts. Well, see, that's a lot. I mean, it's, you know, for me personally, this is very personal to me because, you know, I've, I've always loved my father from the time I opened my eyes, even when the time he laid down back into the earth. I've always loved him. And like I said, and, you know, when people say, you know, they learn 50 years, where well, if you look at my age, I, this is all I do know. This is the awakening of me, so... You know, being raised and being educated by, you know, a traditional Yoruba, uh, a revolutionist, and I don't know if anyone knew who my mother was, Olubumi Adesoji, she was uh, very, very knowledgeable also. You know, she uh, was also in the forefront of this. So this was something that, you know, many traditionalists who said, I cannot accept what they're trying to teach me. I cannot conform to what they want to make me understand when I have that force inside me just compelling me to do more and to wake up my mind and wake up my soul. Mm-hmm. So what like yeah. my father did, yeah, so what my father wanted to do was like, you know what, we have our own language. We have our own history. We have our own culture. We have our own style. We have our own food. We have our own ways. This is our own religion. And because, as we all know, majority, 90% of the Africans that came back in, uh, you know, the beginning of America's first history came by way of servitude, you know, not why they get to ride into a plane now, take a boat here, come for luxury. So it wasn't always that kind. So my father wanted to say, no, no, you can also have a piece of the American dream, but you can also bring back your traditional format and your ways. We don't have mm-hmm. to wear what everybody else wears. Let's wear our own. So he brought back the dashiki to give pride in your own clothing, you know, to also educate you on the top of foods to eat, the proper diet, you know, for the sustainability of our system, our digestive tract. So he also wants to give that back. So like I said, being raised as a child, being quite knowledgeable of the culture, the history, the religion, things of that format, you know, like I said, I was blessed. I tell people all the time I'm very blessed. I, I had a female ask me not too long ago, 
we were sitting around, and, you know, they were getting, they receiving their names, you know, your traditional Yoruba names as you do. You know, yeah, when you're getting your, you know, your destiny road, things of that statue, when you get your ashe red. And she asked me, well, you know, what was your American name? I said, Babumi. And Babumi. she said, yeah. <laughs> she said, yeah. no, no, like, like your government name. I said, well, right. unfortunately, no, my is government name was given to me by an African government, so I never received, right. the, you know, the name that you think that I should have. I never got a Crystal or Elizabeth or, you know, mm-hmm. a Kathy or a Valerie or a Val or anything of that stature. I mm-hmm. got a Babi So, you know, mm-hmm. I told her, I said, so I can't understand because, you know, once again, I'm living, proving a testament to what my father wanted to do. So, no, 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 you don't have to accept the names, accept your own people's names. So, therefore, mm-hmm. my full name, you know, is a traditional Yoruba name. So, I said, I'm so sorry. I don't understand right. how you wish for me to answer the question. Then also, right. what my father did, he did one thing better because he knew, you know, of course, those who know me, who see me, know I have fiery red hair, very <laughs> fair skin, and uh, bright freckles. Even though my mother is midnight, and my father is traditional father of uh, cultural Africa, you still people have to take a couple of looks to see what I am or what I am. So he wanted to make sure there would be no question, and I would have pride in it. So when I sat in class and I had history teachers tell me about all these different continents, and when it came to Africa, they would say, oh, you know, that's Africa. I said, no, no, Africa's a continent. Let's, you know, <laughs> here you have this seven, eight-year-old child saying, no, no, it's a continent, not a country. You know, we have kings mm-hmm. and we have queens. You know, there was kingdoms before kingdoms, things of that stature. She thought I was like, this hellfire child must go. <laughs> My friend mm-hmm. said, no, I'm just letting you all know because I had a teacher. I'll never forget it. Third grade, Miss Allison Walker. She was my uh, third grade teacher, and she was explaining to us about, you know, how man came about. And when she got to the Africans, she said, well, I don't know how we got here. We just here. And I said, oh, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I was devastated, especially being the daughter of a great king of Africa. I said, well, first of all, the original. You know, I said, no, 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 I'm sorry, you know, and she was African-American teacher as well. I said, oh, no, 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 excuse me, you know, Africa came before everybody. You know, it's the birthplace right. of civilization. It's the, birth, it's, the, it's the beginning of life and death. It's the beginning of all languages, you know. You know, all cultures and societies and ecosystems just broke down by way of Africa, by the different, you know, tribes in the continent of Africa. And she looked at me like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. No, no, I do know. Look at my name. I had to explain to her. Just look at my name alone and let you know I, I, I can't understand what really you're telling me. Yeah, you yeah. know, because my father, if you, you know, my father made sure that in our Oyotunji uh, African village when it was starting, don't forget, I started with the part of New York City prior to coming to Oyotunji. So we had mm-hmm. programs, we had schools where we were taught the Yoruba alphabet, we were taught the Yoruba history. We were taught why we were sent away, not just, oh, we were just snatched off the land because we were just working, a white man came over and took us and said, now you knew, now here, here's this book, you're in your religion, you're here at America, poof. No, <laughs> we lost the war, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, we lost the war, and this is why we lost the war, but this is what we were fighting the war for, here's where you ended up in, here's many ships that went out, and so forth and so forth. So, but because I had that teaching, and I was blessed by my mother and my father to educate me about Yoruba and the pride of mm-hmm. the Yoruba nation, I couldn't mm-hmm. stand by and even let, as a child, I let an adult, African-American, keep pushing this negative propaganda, this perpetuation BS about how Africans just popped up on the scenes and that's all you know about us. And we were just born into servitude and here's the book, read the book, know the religion, and there you go. And whatever we tell you to do, you just do. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so that's yeah. why it's difficult for me to sit back and actually hold on to something that was basically forcing me to push down my throat 
whereas with the Yoruba culture, the religion, and, you know, everything in its fashion when it came to me, it came so easy and it made me sleep easier, but I also understood why that force that was constantly compelling me to stand up, to understand more, to be more righteous and to be, you know, more of an educator in my culture and take more pride in who and what I was, it was that was I was being served because my father basically opened up the road and made sure that I was able to receive that without hindrance. Because don't forget, many of us in this country, you know, if you remember the history, you know, you know, there was genocide on the Africans, it's, you know, not as harshly as the indigenous Indians, you know, because they were the original landowners here who was wiped out, and then we were brought over, and then those who wouldn't conform, don't forget, we were also slaughtered and wiped out. So, mm-hmm. so remember, I'm coming from that old, you can't, you know, you're not allowed to read and write, you're not allowed to know who you are, you're not allowed to know anything about you. Now here in the millennium, a lot of people will say, oh, we don't have that issue. No, you still do. That's why you mm-hmm. see our American African boys being, you know, laid waste to as if it was nothing because they realize we cannot allow these, this uh, generation to be diseducated because now you see our African-American male you know, as well as the women, but more so the men, because like I said, they're America's most wanted, because they think 10% more than, you know, mm-hmm. the average man would actually take the time to do. You know, the African man will actually have more pride in himself when he knows who himself is. And that's very, very, it's very alarming to any society that wish to perpetuate a negative ideology of someone, and then when they realize my self-worth is not the self-worth that you proclaim me to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, if you go back from just the, the scratching of the surface that my father did for the nation, you know, that's why you see, you know, all these young African-American men taking pride, you know, you know, they wearing their African dashikis, you know, with pride. They're wearing their hair and their styles. They, no longer you don't see as many women and men perming their hair. Remember back in the day everybody used to perm their hair and everything, and I, now you don't really see that. You see sisters washing dishes, conditioning their hair, braiding it, taking out the plastic, and then falling with a nice gala or just letting their own hair be. You have African-American men who are, you know, choosing to wear their afro more and, you know, choosing to have self-pride and, you know, wearing the American flag but also the African colors in the format of saying, yes, I'm an American, but I'm an African, an indigenous from Africa who was forced to land here in America. But now if you realize the Africans that's been here generation upon generation upon generation is America. So, mm-hmm. you know, and in this day and time, you have an African president showing an yeah, African sure. man that there's nothing that you can't do. That glass ceiling no longer exists. You can break it with such force and such might. That's why I told, you know, when I talk to my brothers and my friends and my sisters and everybody, I say, remember, Baba made sure that we were allowed to have the knowledge that was wiped from so many generations. So don't forget there were several generations that came here that didn't know who they were or what they were. You know, so mm-hmm. I always, that's why I say for me is to, you know, keep that beacon of light and that hope shining that my father wanted everyone to see. No, we are the original of the original of the original. We're not a carbon copy of a carbon copy of a carbon copy. And, yes, mm-hmm. it's been 439 years across the ocean that kept us apart, but now, hey, he's patiently pushed that ocean just a little bit closer from one coast to another. You understand? So now you see the, the, the fruits of my father's labor as well as my brother's labor because they're constantly keeping it more. Like I said, it takes a village. You know, we have farming in Oyatunji. We have traditional Orisha education. We all, not only do we have Orisha education, but we also have educational knowledge when it comes to the history of the Yoruba, how we started mm-hmm. in the north and how we ended up in the west and how we were filtrated throughout the world. So, you know, like I said, Oyatunji is a wealth of knowledge, 
and a place where you can actually come and wake your soul up and say, hey, my third eye needs to be opened up just a little bit wider. And then give that push you back out to the world to say, you know, I have this shield now of pride. Because remember at one mm-hmm. time back in the, in the 60s, you know, if you go back from the set, even the 80s and further on back, it wasn't too much African pride. You know, no. we were proud about it. Remember, you remember mm-hmm. you pride James Brown had to come and sing, I'm black and I'm proud, so that the Negroes could raise up. There wasn't no pride said, of any kind. None. You know, none. none. That's why you guys uh, <laughs> That's why the Harlem Renaissance had to happen. You know, that's why I'm so glad mm-hmm. that my father and my mother both was part of the Harlem Renaissance when they was at the World Fair when it finally was here in America. Because even they were afraid to even bring anything to America like that because America, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the world is seen as in a negative life when it comes to racism. So mm-hmm. don't forget about that. So when that came about and, you know, Baba and Maya, you know, and everybody, you know, they're all at the World Fair. My mom, she's fighting for civil rights. You know, she was on the front page of Time Magazine back in that time. Remember, uh, uh, kill another nigga on my watch when they killed the uh, the young man. And uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I was in New York in 1964 when they were there. So yeah, I do remember. You know, and 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 the point that you know, there's a couple of things as you were speaking, and I was thinking about the the video promotion that His Royal Majesty has put out as our trailer, and how it just fills me up still to hear your father speak. What the orator? What the orator? Number one, and 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 not a Jehovah Witness. You know what I mean? I I I can remember in numerous settings um, where the Abba would be speaking of many things that you just covered out culture. Our education, what what have we inherited within our own DNA? And, you know, somewhere along the line he would he would reach that ruffle in the in the audience, you know, of black people were like, Look at this white man. What who in the world? And how are you gonna raise up against black folk, you know, and they would just and he would just back down to unapologetically African. Hello. There is a Chinatown. There is a Greek town. You know, the Buddhists is over there in their temple. And what do y'all got? Y'all trying to go between the Jews and the Gentiles and the Christians, but we don't see no African temples. And why is it that you can go to Chinatown and get all of their food or their clothes or their incense or their customs and traditions and the same with any other culture here except your own. And so for that reason, you know, Oyotunji, long live, long live, long live, because that is the fact. If you have every other town of a land of immigrants, which America is, then we all, as the descendants of great Africans, have to be blessed that we have an African town in in this country, particularly at this time. Well, yeah. definitely, because you like he said, you have a little, you have a, a little Havana, you, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and you have like you know little Chinatown, you have you know little Mexico. Matter of fact, Mexico is like right next door. Hello, you know what Hello. I'm saying. So you you have you know all these different, you know now you have the little Vietnam here and all these different areas. Well, you're told you your little Africa, you know what I'm saying. Not Africa, sure. you know it's it's a it's a it's what we call a grain of sand from the great continent mm-hmm. of Africa mm-hmm. itself. So, you know, and it especially homes in on the Western Hemisphere because 90% of the slaves that actually, you know, was sent here throughout the, you know, the Pan-Atlantic slave trade throughout those islands, those were actually West Africans. Those were the Yorubas. Don't forget when Absolutely. we had, you know, we had the fight, we, we had that great war in North Africa, which was my great-grand, my great-great ancestor, Adefumi, when Not they sure. would fight alongside uh, um, the great king Oduduwa. So then, you know, 90 days, we ended up in Ilefe, you know, the new Ilefe, because the first one was sacked. 
you know, from that time. We've been fighting from Yorubas because we're the original explorers of the world. Whether we go willingly or forcefully, we're still the original around the world. So when they was having those wars and they were sending us again back around the world, it was easy when they went in to look at the indigenous Indians of the islands because their format and their religion, the way they believe in their ancestors and they believe in the elements and nature was quite similar to that which is the African. So my mm-hmm. father was like, here is another form of you understand here's the other branch of that tree of life extension that here here's your people here no matter where you go in the world no matter how harsh it is you are Yoruba and you will always mm-hmm. find your way back to know who you are and what you are so you know like you're right I remember that when Baba used to say they got a little Havana they got a little Cuba exactly. we need to have a little Africa exactly. you know? and he thought it was just like plain as the nose on your face like you're you know what I mean yeah. if you want to discuss like cultural differences you got to jump past all of these people who have created their own communities and their own restaurants yeah. and their own yeah. you know he couldn't understand what is your argument about you just you know you go over there for Italian food you go over here for this food you know and so where is you yours, you know, and I think you are just one of the prime examples. I also realize that many times in your destiny that, you know, more powerful even than uh, your brother, His Royal Majesty, who, of course, came right up in those woods and, you know, and you did too, but then you became a West Coast Cali girl. You see what I'm saying? And so, you know, that that is so much more powerful for people to really think they know you but sleep you. And like you brought it to that teacher right there, like you can't push back too far because you're going to hit this historical name. You're not going to yeah. hit Betty Jean. You're going to hit Fahoum. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so eventually my culture is going to spill out all over you. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have to push it on you. It just is who I am unapologetically. And I think that's a great message to um, – to bring to sister queens that are really stepping into their power at this time. There's an amazing yes, spiritual awakening on the planet. And mm-hmm. um, I want to get right into into the activities because, you know, I've been working on that great uh, Allegra meet and greet and, and that on uh, Friday yes. evening. Yeah, we'll come together and watch life. films of the movement. Yeah, mm-hmm. watch the revolution, watch the true pioneers, you know, actually, you know, come in like, you know, her grace, you know, yeah, yeah, scene. Uh, her grace, um, Ola K2, you know, you also got your grace, Ola Funda, you got her uh, ladyship, you know, who always made me laugh every time I see her when I came to the Ville, you know, is Irite. So Irite, her grace, Irite, yeah, she, I used to have a lot of good times with her. And mm-hmm. my sister, Fafa, Baba Tanu. But you know what, what is something special is this time when we come home, you know, we'll be able to, you know, also bring out my sister at Boom Boom for my Baba. I share. I share. You know, and what a what a what a what a what a energy that is. I mean, I'm not. I'm sure people who don't know the culture maybe say, "Well, what does that mean?" You know, and so Fabio, uh, your older sister, that uh, the, the, that our wonderful Babalosha came by and scooped up about five five months or so after he went through the roof, and and so she mm-hmm. now is uh, a great ancestor to us. But you know, like the Sandra Blinds and the children oh. that were leaving with no excuse and no explanation. How blessed are we to have the ceremonies that we're going into in the, in this coming weekend where we can celebrate a life. We can celebrate the memory of our family connections even 
after their physical robes have left this planet. And to me, that is just healing. It's healing for all those they leave behind. It's healing for them and elevating for them in the spirit world. So, you know, talk about, I know you've been working on this really since she left. So I, I know that mm-hmm. this is really bringing you more or less full circle and, and feeling feeling that energy of like a, a breath of relief because, of course, you're the auntie to the children she left behind. Yeah. So, hmm Boy, I'm her auntie and then the grand auntie, you know. And mm-hmm. I just want to say, you know, when Fabio, you know, when left with Baba, it was exactly a month later. I couldn't believe, you know, he he would take her so quick and so fast. Mm-hmm. But they were close, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I foreseen that coming, but, you know, hey, we all, you know, pray for things and that's that. But mm-hmm. I got to everybody, you know, this right here is very emotional, but it's a full circle emotional circle that's uh, coming ahead. You know, because it's like I've been wanting to do this for a while, but every time, you know, it's it's rough when you lose a parent. I'm never going to say that, you know, there's no comparison. But when you lose a sister a month later, it it takes a lot out of you. And to mm-hmm. even honor her name, you know, would take a breath out of me to where I couldn't speak for a few days. So to mm-hmm. do this and uh, to have Baba there, have her there, you know, it's almost like having all that little circle we used to have with me and Fabio and Baba used to hang out. You know, we had we didn't have so many times to hang out, but the small times that we did get with each other, it was really great. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. thought that, you know, because my Baba talked to me a lot on the phone that I was his favorite. But no, <laughs> I, he would say, I have no favorites, baby doll. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Fabio. For Bio Tanibo, you know, that was that was his sugar mama. He used to take for Bio everywhere when she I was share. little. I share. You know, so, and then I ain't going to lie, I was, like, moody. I didn't want to go around nobody. I don't know y'all. I don't, don't want to deal with you. So we would be in the house. and uh, Baba Especially if the men get your hair combed to go out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And combing the brush was not my friend. And I was like, okay. that's how I... So why it in mind, but I did. But she had yep. that hair like my yay. She had that uh, uh that Eddie Stowe Indian hair. So it was mm-hmm. that soft comb where I had Baba's hair. And if you knew Baba, he had that thick, full, fiery, thick. full, yep. natural yep. hair. Even even when he ascended, he still had a thick, natural afro hair. So yes, you know, Coleman Brush ain't my friend. I follow. I was tender headed, and it was red. It was too much. It was it was just distraught. You know, too much. So forget that. So I would stay in, but then when Baba would come back with Fabio stuff, you know, he would give us little snacks. And then and Baba used to love strawberries. And mm-hmm. I remember we used to be in the house. I was really, really little. I had to have been like four or five. And uh, I remember one time when my yay was fixing our gaylies and stuff, and Baba was giving Fabio her snack first, and I was having an emotional meltdown because I wanted mine. I had to have been like five at the time. having <laughs> <laughs> a moment. I was having a moment, I should say, and I don't know if you ever seen a Shango Chow have a moment. It's quite, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, quite entertaining. Yeah, so fiery. He, That's the, yeah. to say the yeah. least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, he came over and he had already cut up my piece and everything, but I didn't know because I was getting dressed. And he said, "Here, here, <laughs> relax." Absolutely. That's your good blessing is that he was a Libra and had, you know, really such a cool balance. I to be to be honest, there are very few times that I've ever seen your father really Shango fiery. I've seen him very Obatala stern and very Obatala firm, 
but not just, you know, off the handle, fiery temper. I, I've never seen your Baba like that. He has a very cooling uh, persuasion to people, you know, and that's what I loved about it because at that time with all the rough, rough and, you know, blackness yes. and yes. power to the people yes. and everything, people, black people were particularly very rough, and this gentleman never had to be rough to get his point across, you know what I mean? He could no. leave people yes. in the room with their mouths open having said yes. everything there was to say. There was no elevation. Yes. Of a sweat, he That's never even right. broke a sweat to do it. Exactly, he didn't. He didn't. He's yeah. like, I can't recall my brother ever having an outburst, and I mean, I've had a lot of outbursts, and I've never mm-hmm. recalled him ever, you know, being angry or having outbursts, anything like that. You know, even when things, I remember one time there was a situation where him and my mother were going back and forth because I don't know, a lot of people know the story about my mother and my father. But my mother decided to just take me and my sister and forget to tell my father. I'll put it mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> so when uh, so when Baba realized that you know we were no longer what he expected us to be, so you know and then he must have caught her in route because my godmother Sadie Pearson, you know who's related to you as well, she had called and said you know I don't think that's wise here you talk to the Oba. I put the Oba on the phone. And that's the first time I ever hear him raise his voice. He said a lot of not nice things to my yay. But anyway, the story is that's the most I can remember him getting mad. I never seen him strike a person. I never seen him yell. I never seen him, Mm -hmm. like, you know, scrunch his face, be mad. You know, he was always to me. He was always a calm man, but he was always educated. He was quite Mm -hmm. educated, almost like a genius, because I would debate Mm -hmm. him, you know, about religion. And, you know, here I am, this young kid, you know, nine years old, trying to debate this wise, wise man, we had some serious conversations, and he never talked to me as if I was some five- or six-year-old kid. He always talked to me as if I was an adult. Never, you know, mm-hmm. that's why I tell people all the time when you're raising children, when you talk to a child like a child, they'll stay a child. But when you talk to a child like an adult, they become adult, and they're ready for adulthood. And mm-hmm. my father, one thing about Baba, you know, because back in the day we used to call him Nana. I don't know mm-hmm. if you knew that. That was like, mm-hmm. him. The one thing about him, he would always say, Know who you are. Mm-hmm. Never forget who you are. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? And he said, yeah, you study hard and you learn hard so you don't have to work hard. And you bring all those with you. Well, they're studied hard and they learn it hard so they don't have to work hard, but they'll move a nation. And, you know, Baba slowly but surely was moving a nation. And he woke up a nation of American Africans that was lost. Absolutely. Not only now with my brother. That's why I love my brother so much. I, you know, I shouldn't say that, but, yeah, I love my little brother, brother, because he's doing it on an international level even more so than my I father. Sure. Because now he's in Brazil. You know, he's in Canada. He's in Africa. You know, he's waking up. This is where we all went over here. Everybody's finding each other. Now let's get it together. That's what my brother has been pushing, you know. And he's also doing, like I say, he wants to do the electrical diet to educate. We have, you know, the younger chief that's coming through now that's pushing those those things as well as my father and them. They did it from a domestic level, you know, to domesticate the American Africans here. But now my brother's taking it to an international level to where he's educating. He's waking up the world and saying, hey, this is all your Tungi African village. We have our own laws. We have our own monarchy. We have our own, you know, bylaws. We have our own, you know, religion, our own culture, our own history, you know, our own destiny. This is how we do. That's what I tell people all the time. You know, you have to stop and look what makes you exotic to the world because American Africans are the most exotic people on the planet to me, not just because I'm an American, you know, being biased and all. But when you look at it, everybody around the world has come here. Everybody around the world has come here. 
and every ethnicity and nationality, when they hear about Oyotunji, they want to come there. Even when you had uh, Senator Kerry, which was the Secretary of Defense, he, even he talked about Oyotunji when they said, we still have nations here in America that practice their traditional ways without any pushback from the government. You see what I'm saying? Proven to the world when we were under investigation by, you know, the United Nations for being a racist nation. And he, he used Oyotunji to say, no, no, no. Many people come from around the world to go there. You know, everybody knows about the, the Oyotunji African village. Because why? Because at the end of the day, it's waking up that has been sleep and waking up those who never knew. Because even you have European children now saying, wait a minute, I know I have African in me. I got 14%. But if you remember not too long ago, it was an embarrassment, and people were trying to be passed off as white and not be, have African pride. So that's a thing that my brother and my father are constantly going. My father cracked the ground and moved it forward. Now my brother is taking the ship and moving it further and further and, and spreading it further out throughout the world. Because, like, I tell people all the time, can you imagine how our ancestors felt not knowing where it was going, knowing that they was leaving away from their homeland and not guaranteed tomorrow? You know, these are things I tell people all the time we take for granted as American Africans because we'll say, oh, I see you tomorrow. We're guaranteed that tomorrow. You know, no, we're not. Because if you look at our children, we're constantly losing our children left and right, left and right. And my father always said, you know, it takes a village. So it takes us village American Africans to make sure the rest of the world become our village. And we all, detach, you know, we all come attached to Oyotunji to wake up everybody, to make them understand, listen, we're all the same. We all come from the same road the same way. By way of linguistics is what made you change, but your DNA will always make you and understand and sustain you. You are who you are because of your DNA. And I tell people, when you check your DNA, you'll find that all of us around the world have your about percentage blood in us because at the end of the day, you can't just walk away from something like what my father gave us all was to know who you are and have pride in who you are. And that's what's happening right now. That's why we really have to be careful now and be much more stronger and much more sterner with our children to make sure they truly, truly understand because they're coming for our black children. I mean, and I'm not trying to sound racist or anything of that stature. I'm just looking at it from a statistical standpoint of view. When you look at American African men, you know, like in, our, in Oyotunji, we have the men's society. My father made sure there was a men's society. So, you know, young men, when they turn seven, would go to the, you know, be around the other men and be around the other boys so they can learn how to be men and things of that stature. Because at the end of the day, a woman can't teach a man, and a man can't teach a woman how to be the other. So, you know, my father made sure of that. But with the African-American men, you know, they're constantly being raised by their mother. But now, if you look, it's been a shift. It's because of that pride that African man has. So now you, I can, every time I look around these men that got their children that's having kids, you got men standing right there raising their children. They're back not too long ago, men will walk away. That ain't my child and keep pushing. Whether it's mine or not, I'm going to raise it because it's here. This is the innocent. Let me help it so it won't go down this road and getting smashed or being killed because of the color of his skin or standing on the corner and somebody feels it's okay to take a life, you know? So that's why I tell people all the time that it takes a village that's what Oyotunji and my father, when he scratched the earth and said, here, we put Oyotunji here to wake y'all up. It does take a village. We as Americans, African-Americans, make, make sure all, all Africans and all those around us pay attention to our very, our very, very endangered children. And right now at the forefront, our, our most endangered child is the African man. And that's what my father was wanting to make sure with the Indian society is to make sure that they were educated and knew how to, you know, to lean on each other and, and to know how to raise what they put on the earth to make sure everything was educated so they could have that walkway to that pride for the next generation. He said, always remember you're raising from, just don't think of one generation that you're going to raise. You're going to have to make sure you have seven generations that come after you that stay on point and understand and, fall, and, and walk, uh, walk right. 
So, you know, I just kind of like got on my spiel about that because, you know, I remember how much passionate my father was about people knowing about being self-pride, you know, and, and having self-worth. You know, those are some of my things. But I'm sorry. You, so how's everything? You anything else you want to talk about? Lafia? Yeah, Boone, you still there? Hello? Alafia. Wow, I'm so enjoying the presentation. Yeah, Boone must have dropped off for a minute. Oh, I apologize. I just was just talking. (laughs) Oh, no, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. We need to hear. Oh, I'm trying to get home. I'll be home. Uh, I'll be home this Thursday for Igbe Gala Day. So if everybody wants to come, so we can light candles to to rise up my Baba spirit, so he can come and you know and give good luck and good spirit, prosperity and health to those. You know, I would love everybody to come just to um, give light to him, but also be educated on what's new to come for Oyotunji, and then also those who've never been. Please come and get the experience of who you are and where you come from. That's basically what I want everybody to come and do. You know? Well, I think that it was magnificent how you were raised, and, you know, I think it's terrible that we still have teachers that believe that we magically appeared as interns for Mm -hmm. free money. Free wage interns. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I laugh. That's what I tell people all the time. And then when, when Africans, some Africans, when they see us, they don't know how to take this. They say, well, I'm going to show you all the real thing. I'm like, you ain't got to show me the real thing. I've been living this. I ain't, I'm not playing this. This is me. This is this, what I have, you know. So it, trust me, some of the stuff that, you know, used to be thrown at us, and like, now I'm up there, you know, in age. But when I started thinking back of all the things that were said to me, I just have to I just laugh. I tickle me because now I see those persons that said those things to me. I see them in traditional outfits. I see them wearing their hair natural, no more with the perm and, you know, and the, the flip feather thing going back, you know. <laughs> I said, so, yeah. I said. People are really opening their eyes to their roots and connection with the ancestors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's because people are desperate. You know, there's so much unhappiness from living mm-hmm. lives, mm-hmm. living a, 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 a identity that is not mm-hmm. ours. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many of us grew up Barbie girl. Okay. We can you remember? I remember one time when my grandfather, you know, God bless his soul, he was listening. He uh, bought us all cabbage patch. When cabbage patch first came out, he made sure everybody had a black cabbage patch. And he went, and he th- he didn't mean no harm, and I know he did. I, his heart was good. He went and got me a cabbage patch, but it was the white cabbage patch with red hair, because he was thinking, oh, my granddaughter has red hair, and. Uh, I fell out crying. I couldn't. I said, I don't want this doll. This is disrespectful. I was devastated. I had an emotional moment. And uh, I have a lot of those. And my grandfather, he was like, what's wrong, Red? What's wrong? What's wrong? I said, why you give me a Yimbo doll? I'm your, I'm your, I'm not a Yimbo. He didn't understand. 
<laughs> like, but the doll looked like you. And I was like, the doll does not look like me. It doesn't have freckles. It doesn't have, you know, I'm, we're having this, he's arguing with a seven-and-a-half, almost eight-year-old girl on Christmas. And I said, you know, this is why my Baba said I shouldn't practice you guys' culture, because you don't get nothing right, you know. And so it was like, you know, it was more devastating to me because he couldn't understand that I wanted a black doll. I just, you know, I, can you get a can you find a tan doll with red hair? That's me, you know. And so later on, you know, because I always see these people saying, "Oh, well, the black children always want the white doll." No, no, no. Uh-uh. I can raise my hand and say, "No, no." Well, I thought of, you know, the true mama. I thought of a dark, you know, chocolate woman, you know, that was always there, and so that's what I wanted. And my grandfather literally had to go the next day, take my doll back and get me a black doll, and then it took the time to have my uh, step grandmother, you know, Amanda, and dye the, hair, the doll's hair a little reddish color just to make me happy. But it was just like, you know, just a kid that, you know, even my grandfather said, you're, you're very proud of your culture. I won't take that from you, and I apologize. <laughs> Can you imagine? That was a blessing. That uh, was a blessing. So yeah, because you see, I work in the healthcare field, and I see so many American-African little girls now that carry black dolls, and they want their babies, and, you know, it's a big difference from when I came up. It's just a big difference, and I'm just so happy and so elated that, you know, we have such self-pride and self-worth, and we're, 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 it's, a, it's a small step, but it's a bigger step that's coming for us. And that's why I say with all this confusion, there's so much chaos and craziness going on in the world, but as the African-Americans and the Africans around the world, we're getting our stuff together. We're holding out. We're faring out right because it's like we're figuring out who we are. It's everybody else who has been living this lie for so long has to come to grips with the reality that the truth is out and they can't handle the truth, you know? And unfortunately, that's what's going on right now. So, you know, and the, the sad thing is they're attacking our babies. And when I say our babies, okay. our young men, you know, they're attacking that's them because terrible. they can't accept that this is the original man. They can't accept that everything that I was told about you was a lie. Everything that, anything negative I could think of was about you was about you. Now they got to realize, no. The African man is not a negative man. He's a positive man, you know. So, you know, it's it's hard for a lot of people to accept. You know, like right now, you got a big, big, huge shift that's coming right now. you got a woman that's running for president. you got that issue going on. And, you know, you got a lot of men that can't handle that. And I tell people in a heartbeat, don't forget, there was queendom before kingdom, you know. And a lot of people can't accept that. And they'll say, oh, she's crazy. Oh, that's a feminazi. No, check your history books. I'll wait. Prove me wrong. I'm still waiting, you know. So I digress, but like I said, it's going to get a little bit more, you know, crazier before it gets calmer. But us as uh, a nation of Africans, we're coming together because, you know, our mothers, the women are now standing up in the street and say, you know, I don't know why the man still want to be calm about this. We're going going to have to, like, turn up real quick. We're going from zero to 100, like the young people say. We're going zero to 100 real quick. Y'all going to have to stop touching my children. So now we're putting them on blast. So now that y'all done touched our children and then y'all killing our sisters for standing up, the one sister, you know, it just, you know, I try, I try to stay out, out of the, the racial politics, but to kill a sister behind bars and say, oh, well, she killed herself. Well, why would, why would a sister that has so much self-pride, so much knowledge, and so much power in her voice to wake the nation up, why would she kill herself? That's going back to them 60s and 70s plans that they have for us. And so, you know, it's like I'm glad that I see more of us sisters saying no more, not my child, and not my sister's child, not my friend's child. We're going to all stand together. And it's not just a black or white thing when it comes to slaughtering our children because now you see there's just as many Asians, Caucasians, Hispanics, you know, Punjabs, you know, you name them all. They're all Arabs. They're all in the street. Like, time out. Y'all slaughtering these black children for what? Y'all slaughtering them for why? 
you know, you don't have no reason. So, you know, it's about time that we wake up, but that's why people get uneasy. It was like, no, when it used to be a dark light, now we shine the light right on that person, so now they're getting caught. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're like roaches. You turn a light on, they run. But now when, they, when you turn the light on, we don't got so many lights on them, they can't run nowhere, so all their business is exposed, so now they're stressed out. So what do you want to do? Oh, I got to take it out on this person. Don't, don't, don't stress out on us American Africans. We here, at the end of the day, we built America. You know, truth be told, check your history books. Don't get mad at me. But who built the White House? Who built your monuments all around you? Who helped you get this land? You know, you know what I'm saying? When y'all were sitting into, when y'all look at those civil wars, there was troops upon troops, you know, squads upon squads of African men, you know, who were actually servants, who was fighting for the freedom of this nation. So they're saying, so you can't say we ain't shedding blood like everybody else. I think we did more than our share. You know, let, you know let's just let's call it ace to ace and spade to spade. So now it's like no longer are we waiting for you to give us something. Gone are the days that we wait back and sit back and kowtow and bowtow to say, okay, give us what I need. No. Now we're saying, you know, I'm done asking. Now I'm telling you with a forceful, stern voice. I'm going to stand up and you're going to hear me and you're going to see me. And now the whole world sees you. And now they're saying, now what you're going to do? I mean, that's why you, that's why we're at that stalemate right now. Because no that's more you're going to be killing Trayvon Martins in the street like you did. You ain't going to be taking out sisters here and there, taking out children, you know, and then locking them up for this and locking them up for that. Do you know, I did a statistical thing one time I was talking to his sister. And they were talking about, you know, well, black men, you know, there's such a high population of black men going to jail because, you know, they're just, you know, they just crying for. And I looked at this sister, you know, she's a little Italian sister. And I said, no. I said, here's the thing. You take 100 black men, you take 100 white men. They all can do the same crime. 50% of the white boys going to go to jail. 100% of the black boys going to go every time. That, so it doesn't mean that, you know, they just have negative enemies. It's that they can't get away with nothing here where a certain generation, a certain population can. You know, and it's not their fault. They're like, hey, it's a perk for being this color. Okay, well, now guess what? It's no longer a perk because in California, you do a crime, all y'all go. I've seen just as many as you said. They say these little white, these little black boys laid on the street with a gun to the head. I done pull up and seen them playing the white boy on the ground. It's like, no, uh-uh, it's time to wake up. So America is slowly waking up, but you still got that generation of population that don't want to wake up, and that's going to do whatever it takes to keep the black man down, even if it means that fearness factor. And don't forget how they always use the fear factor on us, and now it's no longer working. You know, you got a bully. You take away all that bully's admonition, what that bully got left. That's what's happening right now with our children, you know, sister. So that's why I say I tell, you know, tell these African-American men, come down to all your children. Let's educate you on who you are, what you are. Let me show you the great kings you come from. Let me show you the great queens, the great chiefs, the great warriors. You know, let me educate you on what an Oni is. Let me educate you on what a KBAC is. Let me educate you on who and what you're supposed to be doing while you're here in this time on this plane. And there's a reason why your ancestors sent you here, and there's a reason why you question to come here. Don't forget like, there's an old African proverb that says, um, the earth is your marketplace, you know. So that's why I tell these, these young Americans that's listening, you know, the earth is your marketplace. If you don't know the direction or rules, how to do and how to get there, we'll come to all your tunes. We'll give you, a, you know, a quick shot on how to do it right. We'll wake you right up. Don't worry. And, you know, now people say, oh, well, y'all do all this, y'all do all that. No, come see for yourself, you know. Come, come, come and see. Come home. Come see what your people are about. Come see what you fall from. That's all I ask. That's what Igbe got a lot of day when it comes to my baba. That's what, it, that's what it's really about. It's about a man who said, let me tell you something. You know, I can no longer stand by and, and watch why my people keep constantly being burnt at, you know, at stakes and being burnt on a cross and being lynched and hung and raped and, you know, just all type of bedlam. I'm going to give them what they 
supposed to have because it's supposed to be told, not sold. And anything you try to sell a bag of goods, there's always something wrong with it. But if you tell and you've told the truth, then it's there forever. And look, Baba, he didn't sell nothing. He told you everything. And look, that's why he told you he's still there to keep telling you and educating on why and what you are and who you are. Yeah. So, well, I do appreciate you guys' time. I have to uh, go, but I just want to tell you I do really appreciate the fact that you guys allowed me to come on and speak on my father and speak about Oyotunji and speak about my great brother, the Oba of Oyotunji African Village right now. I do want to tell you thank you for everything that you've given me. I do appreciate you. Motupwe, 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 I say motupwe for coming and giving us such a great presentation and really allowing us to feel the energy of the king for real. You know, everybody pretends, but you know. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your such a blessing. It was a magnificent um, story that we all need to have. Iabun, are you still on? I was trying to hear Ia Boom, but um, for some reason her line is not uh, coming through. But Blog Talk does this when they know we have an important guest that's Mm. going to shed light, you know, because so many people listen to the show, you know, as incidental. And Mm. when they listen, they become educated and begin to search and try to find their own African identity, which is so wonderful as we need people to wake up to their African identities, to wake up to their humanity, you know, because Mm -hmm. African was humane. That's why I started as queendom. It wasn't about aggression over. And then we have the patriarch. You know, which uh, brought all this oppression and just really Mm -hmm. abused us on Mm -hmm. a regular. So we are definitely looking. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I love it. I'm going to be hanging up now, okay? Oh, I see. But thank you so much. You're very welcome. I say, and so we're looking for Ear Boone to call back in. Ladies who are on the line, you, you do you have anything to say? That was like eye-opening and a breath full of life. Yeah. Ah, I say. <laughs> I say. It's so interesting. Line. I got dropped completely from the call, but I knew if I called back in that you'd be able to hear me because my phone didn't get muted. It was very weird. You know, it's very weird how how you just said, you know, that Big Brother does us, and we know that that's always present. But, yes, what you, you can see, she's a Leo, <laughs> that, you know, the fiery head is, is not an incidental. What, what passion and fire. And out of the 
22 Omoabas, um, all of them uh, certainly got uh, different levels and different gifts of their father's dynamicism, but you can literally hear in her voice, you know, the energetics, and, you know, she, she's a full tilt boogie, you know, to meet her in person and really to understand that she does work <laughs> as an emergency room nurse out there in a hospital in California, you know, and, and but when you see her up, of course, sitting in state in Oyotunji, it's almost impossible, and 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 normally it would be tough at that level of duality. But she really came from the heavens, so equipped to walk her destiny, and 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 to give people no excuse. You see, no excuse because there are some that try to walk in that level of duality. You know, they come to Oyotunji on the weekend and put on the African clothes and are all about it, and then they go back out in the jeans before they even hit the parking lot. And you can't you can't really do the duality if it actually is is splitting. You know there's a Dr. Jekyll and Hyde inside, but when you are one mind, when you are one African soul, the, the, the people around you will never be fooled. Never. <laughs> you could you could have on a paper bag. They are never fooled, and that is the case when you are in the presence of her grace, is that you are never fooled. You know that um, she descends. But, you know, here's an interesting piece that I'd like us to, to, to step away from that conversation with, and, is that, and we didn't get to the schedule, but we'll go over it. On Friday evening, the, um, the film that you love so much, It's Been Poetry, of course, is going to be shown again. And, you know, one of the ways in which the Alpha Kenny really approached um, low levels of negativity, no doubt, no doubt. Realize again that how uh, this gentleman born in, in Detroit, uh, Michigan, and haunted literally in his dreams by things that weren't anywhere present. There were not any African drums playing in the parks or the streets or on the music or on the radio or nothing. So for to have those types of dreams night after night after night until you actually come to your mission, and then when you come to your mission to recognize as people would like, I guess, to put you down or dumb you down or say, you know, nigga, you don't know your place or whatever they're going to say, the Alba would always recognize, you could almost see his spirit recognize and have like like the Buddha, like the Dalai Lama's compassion, like, okay, this is a culturally uh, person with amnesia. They don't remember themselves. They don't remember their greatness. And, and, and you would know as his mouth opened that he was going to address and educate the ignorance standing in front of him. And as we move through this very political year and these very turbulent times, our, our movement to Selma and what's all out in front of us, you know, I really carry that medicine with me that we can always offer. And I say, you know, on the heels of what the um, princess just said, yes, Oyutunji is there for everyone. But, you know, I wish that a lot of these uh, 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 European and white girls that have hooked up with our brothers and now have to are the mothers of children of an African seed would know more, would know more, would not walk in ignorance because then it's like, what gives you the right? It's kind of like raising a Japanese child without knowing any of their culture. You're just going to, again, repeat the same oppression that we just came out of. So, you know, I do hope that um, those that can connect with us by coming down to the Low Country this coming weekend, um, we didn't get into the schedule Friday, a wonderful meet and greet followed by a film festival uh, by Great Ben and Films 
all types of footage, mostly most of which you would never see on YouTube, most of which really comes from the treasury and the kingdom of old 1970s, 1980s festivals where um, there was an Albayan Joko, which is a sitting with the king, where we would sit for hours while while the Albayan king taught us on, on, on a thousand different subjects, how AIDS come into the world and, and you know, just, you know, that nudity wasn't, bad or nasty thing and, and, and the sacredness of Ashun and sensuality and sexuality and, and, you know, just so many things, so many things I couldn't even begin to name them. So that's Friday night and then there will be an Allegbo party because the sister that she spoke of whose um, ancestral parade will be this weekend for Bayo uh, was an Omar Allegbo. So lots of fun games, treats. We have a fireworks display and uh, a sky lanterns that we're going to be able to set up with prayers. And so I, I, I said to someone, I said, boy, I hope I can keep my phone with me. Usually when I'm in the village, I can never keep my phone with me. But I just do want to capture the pictures for those who are unable to, to be physically present with us this year. Saturday, we'll have a children's party. We'll move in the afternoon to those uh, two uh, ancestral parades, of course, of the founder of Oyotunji and then also his firstborn daughter, who is now an ancestor for Bio. And then we move into the candlelight vigil, which is probably the most awesome thing ever for those who have seen those pictures go by on Facebook. 401 candles will be lit for the Arumole and for those that have gone to the website, um, Oyotunji.org, and ordered um, a candle to be lit. We do a whole roll call at the tomb of the Abba. We stand there and we call all of the names of people who have sent in and said, pray for me, pray for my child, pray for my family, pray for this person in jail. And we light those candles ceremoniously. And then we go into the all-white party, the um, Aria uh, Ashafunfun uh, in the Horsemen for sort of a repass and kind of segue until we go into the Unity Bash, which of course the younger people will like because they have a number of DJs and spoken word artists and rappers and so that'll take us into Saturday evening with uh, a full evening of festivities. I'm so sorry her grace left the phone before telling us about her labor of love brunch once she realized that this uh, this festival concludes on Valentine's Day. She said well let's do a labor of love brunch where we really have an opportunity to not only feast and be festive with one another, but we see each other so infrequently, you know, those of us that live afar, um, to really have something, a project that we do together. So I believe that the Abba is... um, setting up a whole thing that we're going to do on the farm together as a blessing uh, into uh, looking toward the spring and looking toward the fullness of the crops that um, hopefully we will have if the weather is is nice to us. I hear and I've seen in recent pictures there of Oyotunji that lots of rain, lots of water. I always say to people, Oyotunji is built on a swamp so to speak, and is in, they don't call it the low country for no reason. It really really is the South Carolina low country. So um, if February is not your choice, there's a full host of of 14 festivals throughout this year, Um, a grand opportunity always to make that pilgrimage to Oyotunji. 
So he got just chatting on along about Igbe Gaelade next weekend, and um, I know you want to get in here and talk about Selma. I got so excited this week when I was talking to people over there in Alabama getting our, our campground situated, and, and people are getting excited over there, and, and, and so, wow. <laughs> we, now have a face, we now have a Facebook event page. Sisters Stompin' in Selma. We, Selma, we ask everyone who even might have the smallest of interest of meeting us in Selma on the first weekend of March to um, check out the, the Facebook event page because we'll be updating all kinds of information on, uh, on our, our powwow meetup and, and, and the things that we have planned there. I say, well, I don't want to... Uh give information because I'm I'm still not clear on the uh stomp, the Cisgar stomp and I wanted you to give us on some of powwow stomp. Give us your sure information. I sure will. Yeah, I sure will. I'm excited, yeah. I am. And and here's the here's the part. You know, it's a it's a two way thing because at first as we were looking, we were speaking with our, our Legba sister over there in Selma and I didn't know that they're actually the parks, listen to this here, the parks and the places are like, you know, over here we have KOA where, where uh, the RVs and the, and the tents and things can go in. Do you know that, first of all, Alabama doesn't have any KOA campsites? So the actual parks or, or sides of the road, so to speak, along that march from Selma to Montgomery was actually made like a national uh, park thing. So last year for the 50th of Selma Bridge Crossing and, of course, the big movie that came out and everything, you know, they were very hospitable and said, oh, we got to come in with tents. You know, we got such a spillover from from Selma and not enough hotels. You all can pitch your tents out there in the parks between Selma and Montgomery. And so, of course, that was one of the first places that we checked out because we thought, wow, how powerful would it be for sisters to be able to lay their heads and have camp, you know, right in the history and the energy of that march to Selma to Montgomery. But the news there was is that, nope, that was a one-timer deal simply because Selma was overflowing with so many people, including the President of the United States last year for this event. So that was just a one-time deal. So we went around and around in the state parks, and then we got to the budget cuts and, you know, some of that old Alabama stuff that is, you know, part of the reasons why we chose to go stomping over here. But I'm going to say it plain. We are really trying to call women and activate women in Selma, some of our, our very honored foot soldiers that are still alive from the Selma to uh, Montgomery March. There are tremendous mothers, grandmothers, and daughters now of the women who have stories similar to the, the one we heard of Her Grace, although she was speaking in African culture, there are women whose generations have come down to them through activities in the NAACP or activities in the civil rights movement. And so this is our opportunity to just come together, camp out, be in each other's space. Um, the coordinators of it, Ifa uh, House of Oracles and Olori uh, Oshun Eddy, we're going to get to the release of her book in a minute, 
um, from Ios um, Healing House. These are kind of your strong little pillars in the middle, but we're inviting all women to come be a part of the ceremony. We chose that word stomp, and I did try and put a couple of videos up that show the traditional Native American stomp dance that um, whether it's the jingle dance, the stomp dance, the, the shawl dance, um, and, and whatever other whatever other levels of drumming or cohesiveness that we can bring to one another to join hands and take a stand as far as we have to we have to really be the guardians of our children. This in particular speaks to putting an end to the violence against children, putting an end to the molestation, the abuse of children, human trafficking. Our list isn't it a shame that we have a laundry list of things that are not not right, just not right in the world of our children in when we look to the next generations of our emerging leadership. And so we felt like since this was such a tremendous historical event down there in Selma that if we could meet there, uh, women who just really know that their their name is on this mission, come and gather with us, camp out with us. Um, from what I understand of the women over in Selma, um, you know, big, uh, big Mama over there, Fire Rose, who has coordinated that bridge crossing now for 20 or more years. I understand that she passed it off to a younger person this year. Um, we're hoping actually to have her on this show in a couple of weeks. That's what's up. And she'll speak to us about the role of leadership that she took following um, the assassination of Dr. King and, and, and how she could pick up the pieces and literally keep that community, keeping that history active. But uh, they plan then uh, some activities involving our group on Saturday and Sunday directly in downtown Selma, the book signing for Ia Oyakunle's Pet Rock Kilalu will be down in downtown Selma on Saturday. And, of course, on Sunday we have the bridge crossing itself, which, which is a huge thing. It just takes up almost the whole town of Selma. So it really, really is worth it for, for women that can get two or three and play Selma and Louise for that particular weekend and drive on down and meet us in Selma Um I would say to anyone, it, you would never forget it, ever, ever, ever. I know when I went two years ago, I just never knew. And I, I'm a girl that gets around, and I did not know that America had any such civil rights museums or voting rights museums where the real stories are told, the artifacts are there, um, Jesse Jackson, um, people of the different movements that we really now only go to our YouTube if we want to catch up on it. This stuff, you can just walk in live and in living color in Selma. So there are so many facets to um, to to the activity we're putting together, the Facebook uh, event page, Sister Stomping in Selma is going to keep you updated as uh, you know as we hone it down. It does speak to a larger movement later in July on the 29th of July. Uh, we saw this kind of as the organizing phase for the Million Mother March against child molestation. That um, I believe that's going to be in Augusta, right, uh, Queen Mother, in July. Are you there? Okay, well, I do yes, think that my, is... Uh, okay, my, good. My, you were muted because of your party. <laughs> it's muted for the noise. Yeah. 
Right. So it, it, I was saying the location of the Million Mother March in July, which is the bigger event that we're organizing for in Selma, is that definite that it's going to be in Augusta? Have we pinned that down? Yes, we're going to do it July 29th in Augusta in conjunction with the Freedom Fest for um, James Brown. James Brown. Know, That's what I thought Augusta, I understood uh, to say. The ancestors in Augusta who were slaves that were sold on that block right there. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. face is still there. So that that energy needs to be cleaned and healed. And the slaves from all over this country are rising up. And, you know, you have a disgruntled ancestry because mm-hmm. we are not honoring our ancestors. And even by some of the things that we do, killing each other in the neighborhoods, it's not honoring the ancestors. This continues to keep us. Um, controlled, and we went from slavery controlled by masters to police control. So mm-hmm. the, the Oba, the Omo Oba that spoke, Princess Fabumi, was on the money. I mm-hmm. could see that I would get excited because I was getting excited with what she was saying because all truths, you know, if you are brought up and you do not know that you are a beautiful, wonderful, magnificent uh, child of God and good and can do anything you want, you, you, don't, you don't know it. You don't know it. And nobody will tell you until you find that knowledge yourself. And by mm-hmm. then you're in your 50s and 60s. But it's nice when you find out as a young person as an age in your childhood, as a, a young child, that you are beautiful and magnificent, and the image of beauty to you is black skin. Gotcha. Black skin. Mm-hmm. So, I and it really, so, really makes a difference. It really, yes. really, yes. it makes a tremendous difference, you know, and uh, and even those that uh, we, because we've watched it, we've lived through decades in, you know, Yutunji, of course, raising these children, you know, and when uh, I came into Pabumi's life, I guess she was maybe about four or five years old, and so, of course, to see her now as a mother and a grandmother and a, a mover and a shaker out there on the West Coast, as as many of the children of Oyutunji have gone off into the different uh, urban areas, but everywhere that you see them, you will see their culture. <laughs> and that's just a fact, whether you're in Gainesville, whether you're in Tampa, whether you're in Atlanta, where, wherever you are, if you see a child of Oyotunji, their culture is not far far behind them. And, 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 and that is because, you know, over and above that um that difference of black america tv public schools you're you're here there here there here there these children actually came up in a village life in a village life of of how meals got done and and the drum calls people there's no grandfather clock in the center of town there's a drum 
that calls you to school or that calls you to uh, uh, festivities and things like that. So the entire, you know, and I offer this when I go out in the woods to teach because, you know, village life, we, we talk about where are we going to go that we can live harmoniously, and I say go not geographically, but really go in our thinking, go in our hearts, advance ourselves in, in, in the family of humanity, where is that going? Well, it has to go to a place where we are no longer fearful of what we don't know about each other. And I contend any time I watched, um, what was it, The Butler again the other day, Anytime you go back in history and you look at the hatred and the meanness and and just it, it, it gets down to fear. It gets down to what the power of the African seed that caused uh, white people whose fathers and grandfathers and, and great-grandfathers were all part of the slave trade. They all had a hand in it. They had There was blood on all their hands. And so, you know, now if they just move and say, well, I treat, you know, I treat the house nigger good, you know, I give them this and that and the other. And so slowly and eventually, and even right down to here we are in 2016, I don't know about anybody else, but like a minute from from shooting off a letter to Killer Mike and, 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 and the Clinton campaign and Bernie's campaign, particularly to the media, because I find it outrageous that we can be in this big discussion about diversity in the Oscars, and yet only a minute few reporters get to choose the questions that they feel are important to the people running for president. You know what I'm saying? And people might say, well, why is she off on this political tangent? Because it's bigger than that. Because until you have Native American elders or African elders or, um, or, or the advocates for child molestation or the, 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 the advocates for mental illness, until you have those people directly asking the questions of the people who were presumed to come after President Obama, I contend that the real conversation is not yet being had. It's just not. And, and and I think that when the real conversation is not pursued, then the masses remain asleep, as, as the princess said. There will be that select group that say, you know what, I'm real good. My food stamps are coming this month. I'm still shopping at Wally, Wally World. And life is the same for them. They see nothing coming. They see, you know, the fact that it can be 77 on one day and 21 degrees, you know, two days later, not a problem. There's no, no problem. And, and their mind would never stop them to think, beloved, you are walking into impending danger. You need to wake up and smell the coffee around you and ascertain how prepared you are not only to save yourself, but pray tell, can you, can you save another? Can you save your children? Can you save your family? You know, we consider the mother that was lost out there and all that traffic piled up in the snowstorm. The mother and the child died in the car because imagine living your whole life and never knowing that if you don't know that your 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 tailpipe there is blocked by the snow in the back, that you can't sit in the car with the windows up. Very, very simple things for those of us, I guess, that teach basic survival out in the woods, but obviously not so obvious are simple to people who live in the urban areas. So we still have a long ways to go. I, I love hearing the um, the princess's optimism of, of looking at the cultural 
uh, uprisings, if you will, in the different cities and, and as a result of uh, the cultural restoration movement, which her father founded. And uh, we, we say we keep it moving. We're not going to give up. That's, that's the best we can say. Are you muted again for your Super Bowl party, Ia? Yes, of course. Yeah. I don't want uh, people listening in. Uh, oh, yeah. Must not be doing too well because I don't hear as many shouts as before. But wow. um, you're right. The cultural restoration movement is now. I remember when they were having cultural restorations in Brooklyn. And, you know, of course, they wouldn't take it out of the European realm. So Mm -hmm. we got pieces and, you know, little increments of black culture. Yeah, little pieces, you're right. The state. Limited. (laughs) Limited, you know. I can remember, yeah, right there in Atlanta where you live, I can remember when I was moving with, um, just beginning my movement with women's wisdom retreats, and I think I actually was up there for a sister's retreat, but she was having it in her house. It was real sweet. And a good sister, I'm wondering if, yeah, Aji Babi, we usually see her up at Camp Breaker. She lived there in Atlanta, and she was the one who looked at me because I was trying to plan together, not necessarily a bambe, but something and I got to talking about the African drums and, oh, we'll have the dances. And she looked at me and she said, oh, you must not know that there's still laws on the books in Atlanta that don't allow black people to play drums in public. I about fell out of here. That was like in the late 90s. I'm sure wow. really hoping and positive that the ATL does not have that law on the books any longer. The UNIOOL. OV, United mm-hmm. Nations of Ifa and Vodun, they actually have Spirit Sundays uh, every year. In the park month. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, no, no, they have a, every year they have uh, Malcolm X and um, a Malcolm X Day and where you hear drums in the park. I mean, they do family events in the park and you do hear drums now. So yeah. I want to give, you know, thanks to those, um, that family that has blessed us with opening of the way, you know, of drums in the park and having uh, the spiritual services of African mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. which is magnificent, done in on uh, Sunday, Spirit Sunday. Mm-hmm. I've been to a couple, you know, and uh, I did say to them, I know they had one. It was an Oshun festival. I think uh, Ile Tiwalade was involved. And it was a little uh, state park kind of out out on the outskirts. I can't remember which because I'm not really good about Atlanta geography, but it has a river in it. And, of course, that's why they chose it because they were going out there to do um, all types of offerings and salutes right to the river for Oshun. And there were 
so many people here. There were not only drums, but, I mean, my God, they were, like, between two and 300 people, all brightly, beautifully dressed in African clothing. And, um, mm-hmm, and we were in the entourage of His Royal Majesty. And so as we were standing, you know, we always, uh, if, if we're the only chief present there, we do the introduction of the ambassador. I looked at me, you know, to do the introduction. And I, I was, I had to say it, you know, it was like the spirit sitting on me because I was looking at these these eager, excited, just fully, you know, we'd all walk down to the river and come back up. And so everyone was just in the fullness of what an amazing, great time we were having. And I said to them, I said, I just have to say, as one of the kind of older people present here, (laughs) that you might look around and just be smiling into the face, smiling back at you, but I can see everybody hanging from every tree out here whose history is in the absolute astonishment that you are standing here in African clothes with African drums playing today. You have no idea. Your mind would not even go back to that point that, you know, so many and so many days and years and decades ago, you are standing right where black people hung from trees lynched. I tell I tell you no lie. And so, you know, it took them a minute, but, of course, they catched it. They caught up because they knew I was telling them the truth. And so, I was, you know, my point to them was you must never take for granted the culture that you have and the cultural freedoms that you have in this country now because it just wasn't always so. <laughs> there are people, yeah, there are people like me standing right here to tell you when I was a little girl, you couldn't be about no uh, African clothes or no drums in a state park nowhere in America, nowhere in America. And uh, that's a privilege that, you know, we have to, we have to come to, uh, I guess, slowly, as she says, some of us are waking up, some of us have stronger callings in, in the DNA inside of us to, to give us that level of appreciation for the culture. But I really say that in, in knowing that here we are in February, and, you know, I've never limited myself, thank goodness, to celebrating my culture in these 28 days alone, but since other people do, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, if you're going to do it, you know, do it to a proper level to remember it all. That's what I say. Right. Remember it right. all. Don't be select about Harriet Tubman or Bob Marley or this one or that one. Be sure to remember how come you can sit at any uh, cafe counter in any store. You can shop in any store you want to do now because there are hundreds of thousands of black people who are dead that couldn't. Okay, and that's that's just the that's just the way the facts go. That's the way the facts and the history go. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, if we don't remember our past, then, you know, we're very dysfunctional in determining where we're going in the future. You have to know your past to know where you're going. And and lots of times people get confused because they hear that and, and feel like it's really racist or demeaning, but it's not. You know, it's it's the fact that my firm belief is we all get to do that rainbow tribe dance when everybody's good with being who they really are. Nobody feels like they have to, yeah, they have to pick up anybody else's culture or religion because they are really very secure in who they are, what their ancestry is. Absolutely. So we covered um, Selma. I wish Dale Lori was on so that she could update us because the last I spoke with her, it actually was uploaded and is almost going to appear in the libraries any minute, the new book. 
Have you I heard any more? We are looking forward to Auntie Okunle mm-hmm. and her med- magical pet rock. Kilalu. Kilalu. Uh, <laughs> it's just a magnificent story. Um, I had the honor of working with uh, Lori on it, and it really does. Um, as as her her earlier book, uh, Secrets That Little Girls Hide, in which is the um, foundation for the Million Mothers mm-hmm. March and Pow Wow mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. July. Uh, it's uh, it's healing. Both of those mm-hmm. books are very healing. Very they bring healing. The spirit mm-hmm. of information and the sister that um, the Ianifa give thanks you, that used mm-hmm. her power to bring forth knowledge cards. Knowledge I How apropos was mm-hmm. it for the evening, and mm-hmm. to hear such a dynamic speaker and to see that um, we're all in line with opening up the sources of heaven to bring forth the healing that we need. And um, clearly the children's book is what our children need, a story in which there is a positive outcome for black Absolutely. people. Absolutely. And that to me is everything because our story can never be told with joy and happiness for the most part. Uh, when we do share our African-American stories, they are filled with pain and sorrow. And this book is an opportunity for children to learn Yoruba language with the mm-hmm. English translations, as well as uh, different vocabulary words to help them express um, feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. So I find mm-hmm. it a very, a very good book for parents and teachers alike. So it was mm-hmm. written in that vein of having a curriculum guide, which we are working on, Lori and myself, to put prepare it because homeschooling is becoming more and more necessary as they mm-hmm. try to deliver this poor education to our children and not to allow them to think. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the problem. Our children yeah. have to learn to think and not be guided like sheep, but to think about things themselves. So it's very um, gratifying to know that all of these Centers are opening. Just my reading secrets that little girls hide, you know, for me to find, you know, my voice on what I feel passionate about, and that is the early uh, activation of sexual energy in children, destructive self, low self-esteem, uh, negative uh, self images, negative self-talk, and all mm-hmm. because. Shame. Some so much of them are burdened with shame, you know. I say, and and some mm-hmm. pedophile is walking the planet, being okay, creating this havoc. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that their generation it didn't happen, but one generation, this generation need to stop it. This generation mm-hmm. can shut it down just by the mm-hmm. awareness of it. 
the ability for people to take pledges that they will not leave their children with people that they suspect of pedophile uh, urges. And, and you know, yeah, here's that piece, and I really want to pull it out because I know in the depths of it, actually in the in the middle of of writing um, Secrets Little Girls Hide and, and so much of the tremendous midwifery that we had to do really to 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 bring Ia through that writing. It, it was it was a heck of a process, and and there was a point at which we would get to the different uh, perpetrators of 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 these abuses, and uh, I just am so blessed at the openness of her heart, and then of course doing the research to go along with the book. It is really true that probably almost ninety percent of people who who are who perpetrate. Uh, these abuses on children were victims themselves. And so, you know, more than a person, this is like a huge generational cycle that we have to break. And, again, I I bring that point up because, um, you know, uh, Lori and I have talked about it a good bit in terms of uh, where does that connect to ancestral repair, to curses on certain lineages. Where do we go in? She and I were in a you know a deep conversation about the mental institutions of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and lobotomies, and you know the the, the AMA's way after they burned nine million women at stake for for being witches when they were really medicine women. Um, the whole way that the system has 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 not only allowed those dysfunctions, those sexual addictions and perversions to continue generation to generation to generation. It happened to the father as a child, now the father does it to his children. It, 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 as you said, it activates them sexually at an early age that is totally inappropriate for their emotions or their, their mental state to be able to catch up with. And next thing you know, there, there they are, you know, turning the wheel again. And so I, I always look at it as where do women praying and and Olori has many times gone to the same the same scene. We were both in the same living room there in Atlanta the day that Shiva Jamu gave us the lecture about those women praying outside of Oprah's house over the beloved child. I don't know if you saw the movie, but that was a very strong message of what what black women in particular can do when they pray together or they raise up the energy of the most high God or divine as we know it by whatever name we call it, that we can put back any darkness, any negativity. But we have to come forward. We have to be to where two or more agree. We can't be in this so scattered energy, I have my agenda, you have yours. You know what I'm saying? And so it's very interesting to see um, – because it, as as it turned out, you know, this was where I was up in the mountains this past weekend getting all of these Facebook event pages straight and updating our website, and we had a couple, we had that, you know, that went out all at the same time. Not too many people kicked in for Selma yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know how people look at things and they say, mm, that might be out of my comfort zone. And I think what you and I keep saying Sunday after Sunday to the sister queens that are listening, whether they're on the show with us tonight or at Super Bowl parties or they'll just hear this on the archives, is that we have to take a stand in the name of our children. That is, awesome. is, 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 We just do, Ian. And, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but this is, this is no longer a choice because 
um, our children are being bombarded with all types of things, and we begin to wonder what are the odds of a child's success. You know what I'm saying? If if they have to deal with, you know, alcohol addictions, constant violence, arguments, bullets flying, and then they have a, a sexual predator in their midst or in their family, and then they have these, maybe it happens at school, maybe there are bullyings and all types of things that go on at school, and it's a, you know, subversive thing that you got to memorize what, what America is telling you. You ain't got nothing about your own people up in there. And so, to me, that's dwindled, like, their chances of success being a, growing up to be a successful human being down to nothing, down to Absolutely. nothing. And because even the stronghold that we came up in, in in Girl Scouts or Church BYPU or Church Picnics or the community affairs or block parties, I can name a thousand different things that molded who I am as a grown woman. A thousand different ways I can look at my community that supported and reinforced my confidence, my wholeness. And it just keeps seeming like the more we look out, the more that the machines, the YouTubes, the the children led astray. They just had it there on the news, the 13-year-old killed because she got caught up in some kind of online thing with some uh, student there at the university, I, I think of Virginia or somewhere over there. Outrageous here. Outrageous. And so when, when do sister queens say we are the protectors of our children? That's just a point-blank statement. If you can't say it, don't have no children. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't want to cut it dry, but I'm going to just say, if you are not here to protect children, please don't have any. Well, because I want to say that. Mother doesn't necessarily mean that you created a baby. You right. know, uh, that's just like uh, these sperm donors. You know, mm, you, okay. you donate in your womb because someone else is going to love your child. And Absolutely. and the the problem is, is that we have to get children from birth to love and teach them that they can trust the world by being trustworthy parents and guardians of these children's environment and to raise them up with the beauty of the world, with the duality of beauty and negativity of the world, because they need to know that there's both and that they have to make a choice. And I think that's fair for them. The last Mm -hmm. vestiges of civil rights is about children's rights because children have no rights. And that is the, the, I guess, the engine in this train that we're moving out and about uh, saying let's end child sexual abuse, let's end child atrocities, Mm -hmm. and let's give children the right to a good life, to choose to be productive citizens. Because some children don't have that right. They're sent into stores to steal. You know, they're encouraged to do the dark side of life. And if we raise them in an environment where they see the two, you know, we're not trying to take parent rights, but educate parents 
so that they know if they live in outside the law or they're living on the dark side, that they might want something better for their children. If not, you know, they raise their children the way they want to raise their children. And I think that those children uh, will be isolated from children that are doing things. I know my children, I raised them to choose, you know, good friends. And I have to say that I am so happy that uh, for the most part, my children have chosen friends that are like sisters, that are like brothers. We all family. And if you are in the family, you don't want anything to happen to anybody in that family. And I think that Otunji Village gives us the opportunity to be a family. Let us come Mm -hmm. home to our Yoruba roots. And I'm glad that um, Otunji Village is taking the steps, the Oba, to go internationally and to bring the um, point of interest there. And I definitely would like to see uh, more of Omo Oba Princess Fukbumi as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to light the candle because this weekend my grandson will be um, doing his uh, last game, the championship game in, in basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to be there for him, but oh, yeah. I will also be there in um, as far as in support of gotcha. you know the Obas rising through the roof and and becoming uh, gotcha. uh, Imole. And mm-hmm. um, and let's we, put that out there. I put it on the Facebook, but while we have the opportunity, let's put out there again that. The actual rising and ascension from this plane to the heavenly planes was at 6.11 a.m. on the 11th day of February. And what we know is I I will rise, I will be up, you know, at that moment of sunrise at that point to go to the tomb and, of course, light a candle there, say my prayers there. But we can do that with, you know, when I'm not, and there have been years that I haven't been, not that many, but there have been times when I haven't been, and I always encourage people, maybe, you know, everybody knows their work schedule. So you may do it the night before, on the 10th, or you might do it when you arise, but to just remember because we have our own saints. And we do. And so whether you're in the church talking about when the saints go marching in, we have our own saints. Or whether you know it from the Catholic and you see the little black uh, saint on, on on the candle, however you know it, you know we do. And so when you come to Oya Tunji, then we say, of course, that we have now moved this, this, this gentleman who whose life was so amazing on this earth for that for 70-something years um, is, in fact, an Orisha. He is Orisha Escontola. And so on this Thursday, whether you are here with us or not, because we have to begin to learn how to be effective. What I wanted to say a minute ago was to also put out the intention to Sister Queens listening that we begin to raise and elevate people who want to make a dynamic difference. And I really want a second run of the Secrets Little Girls Hide to happen. You know, and I keep putting this out there in my prayers. I really want it to happen because I think if if some benefactor could gift that to children's detention homes or, or, or places where children go that are not 
still even free to talk about the the sexual abuses or the confusion that remains in their minds, um, whether it came from rape or it came from a family member or whatever. As you said, you know, I have edited that book. I know the healing power of of reading how uh, Olori Arshun literally walked her way out of that nightmare. And it's Absolutely. still walking, and it's still walking her way out of that nightmare. But compared to where I met her, I mean, you know, when I met Olori, her children were babies. I don't, think, I don't think the oldest was even 10 or 11 yet. They were babies. And uh, she was just coming out of the nation of Islam. And, uh, and so very, very still in shell shock really, of the life, the young life that she had had and having a baby at 14 and just just amazing type of things. And, again, that, you know, who is my mother that all of my mother's boyfriends have attempted or, or been successful at having sex with me? I mean, to even have that kind of mentality that you have to sort through now so you can do the daily job of being someone else's mother is huge. And, you know, every time, I, because we were looking, you know, at the other book there to do the, uh, about the author piece, and I was like, what do you mean here that none of us, none of us actually, we have, people, you know, people have absorbed that book whenever we meet a survivor of molestation or a victim, you know, we'll give them the book, we will, because we know how healing it is. And so now we find that neither one of our houses have this book in it anymore. So we have to put out there that when you think that you're not the Rosa Parks or you're not the activist, you won't meet us in Selma to do the stomping, we say then have a chicken dinner, raise some money, and help uh, IO's Healing House, help that movement. We've been talking a lot about getting that 900 number so that we can um, uh, stimulate the IO's Healing Hotline as a way of actually even identifying some of the people, some of the millions, I'm sure, of the people that IO Healing House will begin to serve. There's a, I was just saying to Ia, there's um, a, a, a house on that order, a safe house for women and children right in Grovetown now that is under construction. And, again, we should have Ia Oyakunle's Magical Pet Rock. We should have the book in the, in the living room of these safe houses and the places, the shelters where women and children go when they leave violence and trauma in their own house. Um, that's when we begin to do the work because I don't think everybody's coming out to the rally and the speeches here. I think that that's what I think is so powerful about the books that she's writing is that it, it does give people an opportunity to heal wherever they are. And um, I, I just want I want people who can do something to actually do something, to actually have an action step to say, well, no, I can't get on a bus and ride down to Selma, but I really want to support this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a survivor myself, and because I survived, I want to pay it forward. I want to do something to make sure that some other child survives. So um, I hope that we get that out there on the message and certainly in, in, in conversations as we go forward on the event page um, toward the march. Um, in in and the powwow in Selma on the first weekend in um, yeah in in March and we've had a lot well, of really good. I, mm-hmm. I definitely want to say that uh, secrets that little girls hide that we're working within the Aaron uh, 
I believe her name is Erin Erin um, Morgan. Erin's uh, law, uh, the child that was uh, abducted and sexually abused, and she has gotten that uh, educational uh, foundations to have money and public schools from the federal government to put together prevention for sexual abuse. And we need to take advantage of it. Uh, Secrets that Little Girls High also has a curriculum being developed because it is a healing tool. And I advise every educator that purchases a copy uh, to create your own curriculum because you know as you read the book, your spirit is crushed to be open again to hope. So I think that that um, hope is in there, the hope that all will be well, you know, and holding on the breath of understanding the type of journey from, you know, pregnancy to homelessness, you know, Mm -hmm. and the treatment that young women receive uh, which is no support at all, you know. We've got to put systems in place to support our children when they come out of a bad situation. So I definitely support what you said. If you can't come to Selma, do a chicken dinner, raise funds to sponsor the, this Million Mothers March and Pow Wow, July mm-hmm. 29th in Augusta, Georgia. We're going to stomp out the abuse. We're going to stomp out the things that do not belong to us. Anyway, I know you want to say your goodbyes. We have eight minutes and 50 seconds. So, Well, I do, and I want to mention, of course, our other favorite project because it's a part of uh, African History Month, which we don't have the Iababa uh, on Shango, the uh, Shango to the King on the line to make her own commercial. And she said, well, did you talk about me? I was going to say, yes, yeah, at the close of the program, we certainly mentioned, we didn't go off the air without mentioning that uh, our beloved eldest, uh, priest of Shango in this country and out of the house of Adefumi in, in any regard is taking up the mission to reopen the doors of the Gods of Africa Yoruba Temple in Harlem. And again, uh, it has its own Facebook page to or actually it has a, it's not an event page, it's a group page which is growing mightily. Last time I, I looked in there, there were 80 or more members. It's moving on along. Um, she too has a couple of activities that can, that can happen whether you're in Harlem or again, you light candles in the name of the temple, reopening as a dedication to the Abai Kinney on the 11th or anywhere through this coming weekend. Um, I'm certainly, it, it, it would appear, and we know we'll be saying more about that on the shows in coming weeks, that uh, we will be there to do various ancestral workshops and other workshops um, that benefit the uh, temple the second week in March. Well, actually, after after we leave Selma, we're going to New York to do a bit of um, uh, you know, promotional work 
to really get things moving for the reopening of the temple there or and or at least the activities and to see as as the year we were talking the other day she said you know bob i had a storefront she started remembering that it wasn't always a glorious temple it was sometimes in people's basements it was sometimes in a storefront you know where did she have her readings and so really kind of drumming up that support in harlem to, to revive the movement, and the movement itself will produce the temple. So, uh, again, if you want to know more about that, it's the Gods of Africa, uh, Yoruba Temple of Harlem, and it does have a Facebook page. So, uh, Ia will be thrilled if you go by, and she has said, and I want to put that out there, that all this month for African History Month, those that make a donation to her GoFundMe are receiving either a personal Shango money charm from her or an ancestral leke. So there's that. I mean, you don't, you know what I mean? That's like 40 years Ashay, really. You don't, you don't even have to tell me twice on that one. If, if an elder of that stature says, well, I'm going to gift every person that makes a donation to my GoFundMe in the month of February. And that is what she's put out there. So I wanted to share that with everyone. But, yeah, next week we'll, we'll say briefly before we really zoom out of here, that uh, we were, as we were updating the website, and we still have to do that, we thought for Valentine's Day it would be wonderful to invite every sister queen to come forward with a gift of love for for everyone on the line, whether that is a song or a poem or a spoken word, a prayer, an ariki. I mean, we could be endless with uh, the various gifts that we bring for each other on next Sunday evening. So I'm totally looking forward to that. And, of course, I'll be calling in from Oyatunji, so no telling who I might grab out of the crowd that's there on Sunday evening to be our special guest. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. I can't wait. I'm going to listen back to this one in the archives myself because it really was good. I know it's magnificent. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. definitely excited about Omo Oba, Princess Fabumi Adefumi Sands. She is mm-hmm. magnificent. Um, she's eloquent and such a dynamic princess. You know mm-hmm. that. Her energy of uh, dad shines upon her head because what she spoke of was nothing but the truth. And that, to me, is everything, you know, the truth that, you know, we have to do those bowls that he put down, get the coronation Mm -hmm. of a lorry going, and um, whatever we need to do, to ensure that whatever Oba Adefumi number one said that we are doing, we are doing. So there are many kings in this uh, country, and we give thanks to them for acknowledging their heads and moving forward. But uh, he started it, and uh, with uh, Baba... um, Oh, goodness, his name always gets me, but uh, he is a magnificent one, too. Uh, Metahuchi. I'm sorry. I say, and, you know, we Mm -hmm. still have Baba Awo Falakun still fighting Mm -hmm. the good fight, and all the brothers and sisters, kings and queens, chiefs and and, uh, obas and onis that... uh, 
walk this earth. We give thanks for them because together we can rise by owning our own destinies, you know, because we're all great, you know, Mm -hmm. whether we have Mm -hmm. a title or not. So I want to thank everybody for listening because this has been one magnificent show. And thank you, Iaboom, for just uh, putting together such great shows. Oh, thank you, Ia. We're on the mission. We hope that you have a blessed week. I say. And we want to remember knowledge. This is our ruling, knowing Mm -hmm. that we have the knowledge and we can put it out and we give thanks for that, Ia Nifa, to bring that energy of our shade to us every week. And we are just thankful to have each other and to be, be, you know, aware. And, you know, it doesn't take long for the rest of the populace to join in and to to catch up. So we're just the forefront. Not at all. We'll start looking for the pictures probably beginning on Thursday. You'll see pictures as I just go through my delight whenever I return to the kingdom in February. I'm always of a delight, and plenty of pictures will go up on Facebook until we meet each other again on the same bat channel, same bat time next Sunday evening. So looking forward to it. I say, I do play poopo. Odabo.
Yeah.